Welcome to the Nonprofit Tech Podcast presented by FusionSpan. Today, I am joined by Mike Fletcher, the Director of Information Technology at the Endocrine Society. Uh, welcome, Mike. Uh, thanks, Justin. So we brought you here today, Mike. You, you're doing a lot of interesting stuff. Who went on this sort of the search for and implemented a business intelligence tool? So before we get too far, what sort of made you aware that you needed a business intelligence tool? Sure. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's something that leadership and various staff throughout uh, the association has, they've been talking about it for many, many years now. And I think a lot of that comes out of um, the fact that we were, have been doing pretty sophisticated uh, analysis and trend reporting um, <clears throat> around most of the areas of, of the association's business for some time now, but it was done, you know, in a way in you know Excel spreadsheets and and various periodic reports that uh, you know high level staff people took you know, a few hours out of their day, every week, every month, uh, every quarter to summarize data, put it into these Excel templates in a way that sort of let us, you know, view trends over time. So we've been doing a lot of, you know, advanced reporting and advanced sort of trend analysis, but, but in a way that was really intensive in terms of staff time um, and and also, when you do things that way, it, it, a lot of times it sort of lends itself to, to looking at the information only in one sort of way or one um, across one particular um, um, t time or across one particular member demographic or what have you. Um, and so it's, it's difficult to, to look at the same information in many different ways when you're manually doing things inside spreadsheets. So we, you know, we were doing a lot of really good analysis, but we needed a tool to make it more automated uh, so that we don't have to spend so much manual time doing the same thing over and over and over again each week or each, one, each month, and, and to also make it more flexible so that we can ask uh, different questions. So you know, that's great that we know what our, um, our, our membership renewal trends look like throughout the, throughout the renewal season, but you know, what is it, you know, how does that differ from one member type to another? Or how does that differ from our international members to our domestic members? Those are the types of questions that are challenging to answer when you're doing everything manually. Okay. So you ended up implementing uh, Power BI, which is a Microsoft business intelligence tool. Um, and as you mentioned, I assume one of the features it offered was that sort of instantaneous connection and being able to, to dive into your data. What were some of the other, I mean, because I know you were looking at a bunch of different tools out there, you kind of were seeking out before you made this decision. What were some of the other key features that kind of drove you towards this tool specifically? Sure, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think business intelligence, it's, it's nothing new, uh, and these software platforms are nothing new. There's been, you know, the really big players for, you know, 10 or 15 years now have been these, you know, really, really expensive, um, difficult to implement systems where you have to have a lot of infrastructure behind it, you know, big data warehouses, a lot of servers, um, you know, expensive software licenses up front. Uh, and it's been difficult for especially associations to, you know, to, to engage in that sort of a, an investment. Um, so Power BI is, 
uh, was very appealing to us when we were looking at different solutions that are out there <clears throat> because it has such a low barrier of entry. And that's for many different reasons. Um, you know, first of all, it's, it's completely a cloud product. Um, so if you, if you choose to, uh, you can sort of, you know, it's all cloud-based. There's very limited infrastructure that you have to put in place to run this software. Uh, it's kind of a software as a service. So you, you pay, you know, a monthly fee per user, which is also extremely low, um, especially for organizations with nonprofit status. Um, and it's so easy to get started with, you know, they can literally offer you a free trial, uh, you know, over the web uh, that you can sign up for in a matter of few minutes and you can start uploading your data literally within a few minutes and start playing with the tool. So it's that low barrier of entry was huge for us. It let us just get started and seeing what we can do with it. Um, it's very affordable, even in the long term, um, compared to many other solutions out there. Uh, it's all browser-based in terms of how people log into this portal to view the dashboards and view the reports that you've created for them, which is appealing to us. Um, and also we're already uh, Office 365 customers. So it's it's very tightly sort of integrated into the rest of Office 365. So if you're already using uh, that for your email and for SharePoint and for, for other things within your organization, it's very, very easy to just turn on this additional service. Uh, and it has your, you know, the knowledge of your whole staff directory and everything else inside there. You don't have to use Office 365 to to use Power BI, but if you are already on our Office 365, it, it makes it very easy for staff to, you know, think about using, oh, this additional service on top of it. That makes sense. And I, I mean, I think the the way you explain the, especially the integration, get, getting data from other places, it just, it's literally a plug and play with, with some of the tools out there from Google Analytics to some, uh, some mail, cert, like I know MailChimp cert, uh, hooks up. Were there any others that you just quickly were, I mean, be able to easily switch on or turn on? Yeah, so yeah, they've, they've really um, tried to uh, sort of give you out of the box like integrations with really large other, you know, cloud services out there. Obviously, anything that Microsoft is sort of doing, you know, all of their cloud services kind of plug into it very neatly, but also things like Google Analytics, um, Salesforce, um, Twitter, Facebook, various other sort of online services. It can be as simple as, okay, just entering in the username and password for your Google Analytics account, and then it gives you a dashboard, you know, with, with in literally 30 seconds, um, with a lot of really neat statistics about that specific, you know, website that you have tied to that Google Analytics account. Um, so those out-of-the-box services are definitely very appealing. <clears throat> also, for us, um, a big sort of differentiator from other products out there is how easy they make it to pull data from on-premise sources. Um, so things like your AMS system or um, say our accounting system uh, in-house. They make it very, very easy with, with these things that they called enterprise gateways um, to pull um, specific data sets into the tool 
to refresh those data sets you know, at daily intervals. Um, and it makes it very, very easy. You can, an organization of a certain size like ours, um, we're about 85 staff, uh, an IT staff of four people, you can essentially skip a lot of the creation of a traditional data warehouse by using a tool like Power BI, which is very, very appealing. That is nice. That is, so I think you've already, you know, one of the things with any new system is the actual change management aspect. Using a new tool can be a challenge. Uh, it definitely sounds like one of the key things for you was that ease of integration, being able to get that, get all those data sources in right away so that everyone kind of had some, oh, well, I, I can see my accounting information. I can see my membership or my customer information right away. Was there anything else that you, as either as the ID department or you had leadership maybe help you out with to kind of grease the wheels, so to speak, to get people using the tool initially? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Like, <laughs> it was funny when we, we first started out by taking a couple of really popular um, reports or data sets that were you know, that I mentioned before that we that we did a lot of trend reporting already on, and we sort of got those data sets into the tool to see sort of what else we could do with that data in a really, um, you know, to expose some different things. So for instance, things like um, uh, event registration reporting for some of our big events, or, you know, looking at our membership dues renewals, things like that. And it was funny because Traditionally, these things were done, you know, on a periodic basis. So like every week, you know, someone would pull down uh, sort of a, a data export that we created with all of the event registration data. And they would spend a few hours summarizing it, you know, putting it into a separate Excel spreadsheet, you know, maybe with a particular template. And maybe they would, you know, populate a few graphs. And then they'd send it out to, you know, 15 or 20 people that had an interest in and where the registration numbers are. And so when we we made that same data available inside this tool um, that you can literally log in within, you know, 15 seconds and see, you know, that same data, those same analysis, but also, you know, 10 times, you know, more if you choose to. It was funny, we still had uh, on the staff, okay, well, you know, how do I know that I need to go check this tool? for you know where the numbers are and we wound up you know it's almost like we had you know people like they still needed a reminder to go look for the data that they're supposed to be very very interested in um and so literally you know sometimes it's okay well we've conditioned people to receive that sort of um analysis right in their inbox every week and so we've had to sort of like try to do the same thing where you know we send them sort of reminders like, hey, here's the, you know, registration data. It's available whenever you want to look at it um, right here. Um, so it's been a little bit of a conditioning process as to like when people are used to receiving something a certain way for so long, there is a human element in, involved with changing that behavior. Yeah, that's, people are just so accustomed to working out of their email. That's exactly. That's so interesting. Yeah, that is, that's that's fascinating. So did you, not to go too much down a rabbit hole, but did you just kind of set up automatic email, not weekly? 
Well, you know, I think it, it varies from like, from, from in this specific, you know, example, say with this registration data, they were actually used to someone taking a look at the data for them and, and almost like writing a little narrative for them every Monday. Hey, you know, we're a couple of numbers short of this, you know, goal for the week, or we're, we're right, you know, we're way above where we thought we were going to be this week. And so um, there's to provide some sort of continuity these people are still doing that. Now they're not spending two hours crunching the numbers and creating the reports themselves, but they're still, you know, having to like provide that sort of weekly email saying, hey, you know, click here to view all of this, you know, wonderful information. And here's kind of what it means. <laughs> that makes sense. So that's good to hear because I was worried you might be putting someone out of the job with the tool because they no longer had to do any data crunching. But there's still, there's still, of use for people in this process, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I think in general, we've done a lot of, you know, over the last few years, we've done so many, you know, radical changes in technology that at first glance, you can almost be concerned, are we putting someone out of a job by eliminating this sort of um, redundant task that they do every day or every week? And from what I've seen in my personal experience, that's just not true. There's always, in association work, there's always, I think, other higher level tasks that aren't getting enough time because someone's doing redundant tasks all day long. And so when you free them up from that, there's always something, you know, that provides more value that's, that can be done in, in place of all the, the, the busy work. That makes sense. So one, you kind of talked about a data warehouse and anyone who's not familiar with the term, just the basic idea of that you've got all this information all this data in, in one place to some extent. What what are the benefits of having it in one place? And what, what does it mean to have? Like for some people, I think you know, you're so used to going to a bunch of different places, they don't even realize all the different sources of data that could be brought in. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when in most cases, uh, if you if you've done things sort of properly, is that a lot of these systems, they're they're dealing with the same data um, and there's but maybe at perhaps different levels. So like maybe inside your AMS, you've got, you know, order and, and sales information uh, and dues and things like that at the, you know, line item level, you know, person A bought this product. Um, and then say in your accounting system, maybe all of that information gets summarized, right? Into like, you know, at down to the GL account level every month, right? And so you're, you're viewing the same information, but at a much, um, more summarized or a much higher level, right? And so to be able to look at, say, to start with the really high-level summary information that, you know, that your accounting system can provide you or the data from that can provide you, but then click, you know, on one area in a particular chart and then drill down and start seeing, okay, well, the detail records that make up that summary data um, and those detail records are coming from your AMS or um, that's powerful to be able to drill up and drill down in terms of, you know, what level you want to view data um, because there is so many, you know, so much at that line item level. Um, it's very helpful to be able to, to look at things sort of, you know, very, very high level, but also very, very low level when, when needed. Some other examples that come to mind are <clears throat> perhaps, you know, being able to look at product sales data um, over the course of time um, 
you know, down to a specific sort of date period. So for instance, we do a lot of uh, exhibiting at other um, association sort of um, uh, meetings where we sell our products and we, you know, sign up members and that sort of thing. And as part of that preparation for each of those shows, someone needs to go in and sort of view what the product sales have been like um, at the other shows, say recently in the last year, or maybe um, at the same uh, association show last year or the year before. And then they, they need to make some determination about basically what products to bring, you know, to this new show. And so it's, it's twofold. You're looking at product sales data to tell you that, but you also need to see like what's, what inventory is on hand in our warehouse to be able to take with you. And so previously you would look in two different places for that, but right now we can look at it in one place um, and really be able to drill down on just the products that are relevant like this year um, and really just make it very easy to, to prepare what you need to bring to that specific show. So are there any features that you personally really enjoy using or you think are, I mean, this is, you've got a little, you're, you know, you've been dealing with data for a while, um, even prior to your current position. And so as a little bit of a, I don't know, a data nerd, if, if, if I can call you that, um, is there anything that you get a little more excited about maybe than? Definitely. Um, one thing that's really neat about Power BI is um, what they call like natural language querying. So once we create um, a dashboard or a data set around say, Regist event registration data, and we publish it to the service and, you know, let all the people that need to see it, see it through the browser. They can look at all the sort of predefined dashboards and reports and graphs that we've given to them. But then they can also, there's a little um, text box at the top of the dashboard that says, you know, ask a question about your data, right? And you can literally just type in there in, you know, human language, you know, how many books did we sell in 2015? How many specific book A did we sell in 2016? Um, and then, you know, it, it literally just pops the graph up for you right in front of your face um, as you're typing. You can say, well, okay, how many books did we sell in 2016 by member type, right? And then it would just split it out across, you know, member types. So that that sort of functionality is really, really fun and very, very cool. And it's actually very functional as well. Um, because, you know, the majority of our staff, they, they don't need to understand sort of like query syntax. They literally just ask the question as a normal human would ask another human. And it interprets your question very well uh, and gets you started with what you're looking for. You press a few more buttons and you can kind of manipulate it. Oh, I want to see it as a different type of graph or a pie chart or what have you. It makes it very, very simple to, to get to what you're looking for. That, that sounds like a great feature. It, is it being used a lot? I mean, are there any other features that you wish more people on your staff were using on a more regular basis? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is being used a lot and it's, it's in my opinion, it's a big differentiator from a tool like Power BI to like other popular business intelligent platforms out there. A lot of them, I mean, the reality is, you know, creating these types of reports and dashboards, it is, you know, uh, not something that everybody can do. And so I think they've done a good job of 
providing really powerful tools to report authors, right, to create um, the right data sets, the, you know, to get things, you know, the, the data modeled correctly um, and published in a way that lets the non-technical users then really use it easily. So they've, they've made it, you know, in my opinion, easier than any other tool to use for the non-technical user. Um, and there's, it's, it's just going to get more and more tied into um, everything else that Microsoft does. So like, for instance, that same natural language question, you can expose that to uh, Cortana, you know, the little search uh, Siri type of um, functionality inside Windows 10. Uh, and if you give the appropriate rights to the right people, they don't even have to log into the Power BI service. They can literally just ask their Windows Cortana assistant, you know, how many books did we sell in 2015? And you can see where the appeal uh, of that is, you know, um, for non-technical users. They don't even have to know where to go look for information. They just have to ask their their friendly assistant. It's got some real luck. And I mean, I think it's also a really smart move by Microsoft, obviously. Um, of course, yes. Uh, so assuming someone has is now sold, they need a BI tool, what what would you recommend for someone who wants to begin the search, like how to evaluate different tools, and then getting in, assuming they make a selection, getting into an implementation, do you have any thoughts, having gone through it recently yourself, on what to consider and how to approach the process? Yeah, I think, I don't know, in my mind, uh, every organization is very, very different, and they have different needs for the type of, say, reporting that they want to do. Um, a big thing is, you know, they have different levels of, of resources, like expert technical expertise on staff and, you know, externally through consultants and things like that. And they also have different data sources, you know, they, they use different core systems. Um, and so a lot of those, you know, three or four things at a high level, I think really play into making the decision of, you know, what, what the right direction is. Um, and I think a lot of organizations realistically will be better suited to maybe focus less on the tool at first. They, they might need some, you know, outside help to um, sort of organize, okay, what are all your data sources that you foreseeably want to be using to this? You know, what is your technical expertise inside the organization? Um, and based on that, you know, here's a tool that fits your organization well. But I think a lot of it does hinge on being realistic about what resources you have in-house. You know, for instance, <clears throat> Power BI is, is very appealing to us because, you know, we have a few people in-house that can write SQL, that can, you know, create reports um, uh, and, and can manage this. And it makes us very, very agile, the tool does, to be able to make you know, minor changes to be able to, you know, create new reports and data sets. We can we can do all of that on our own, and it's and it really enables us, you know, as an organization. For a different organization with different expertise inside, you know, they might not be able to do much at all with it. And so, you know, maybe they, maybe the more appropriate system for that for them is, you know, maybe one that is built on top of their AMS system, right? That gives them the the out-of-the-box connectors to various things that they use, and it gives them 
um, most of the out-of-the-box sort of dashboards and things that they would need. So I think it really do, it does differ um, from one organization to the next. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. And the implementation side, if once they make, is there anything, you know, did you find that you kind of, did you start, start with a small group of people? Did you kind of just jump in and tell everyone to go get it? Did it, was there anything, any mistakes you made in sort of implementing? Yeah, so I think. Lessons learned? Sure. I think, um, you know, with Power BI and, and, you know, the way we sort of stumbled across it, it, there is that so such a low barrier of entry. It was us just sort of, okay, you know, here's this new service out here. Let's poke around with it. You know, the few people in the IT department that, you know, do this types of analysis. Now let's see what we can do with it. Um, and it was very easy for us to, to do that. Like I said, very very affordable. You know, per user per month. You can turn it on immediately. Uh, I can go in there in ten minutes and take my user count from five to ten and invite a few more people. So I was able to scale up very easily. We were able to explore the tool very easily um, using some data that we had already sort of been analyzing with other tools, you know, for many years. Um, so we were able to learn about it pretty quickly and pretty self-sufficiently. I could see how maybe with some other systems, um, you know, there's some upfront licensing costs that you have to figure out, well, how many people am I going to need before you even start to work with it? And that's kind of challenging. Also, you know, an implementation period, there's a lot of upfront work that has to be figured out and decisions that have to be made. We were lucky that we didn't really have to do a lot of that on the front end with this tool. We were literally able just to get three users in there and start playing around with it for a couple of months. And then we, I think we had a group of say eight or nine people that we wanted to show it to initially. So we added them as users, you know, and, and the, the dollar per month goes up a little bit. And then we just expanded it from there. So we created our event registration sort of data set. And then we invited the people from the events, you know, department. Uh, and we did some membership analysis. And so we invited a few more from, you know, people that are interested in that data. So it, it, it was able to grow very organically. I'm not sure that it's always like that simple. Well, I, I mean, I think it should be. I think the lesson here is that simple, easy to use, straightforward is, uh, is, is better. Well, I'm Justin Berniski. You can find me on Twitter at jbernisky. And Mike, we'll have, next time you've got something exciting going on, make sure to let me know and we'll have you on again. All right. Thanks, Justin. Thanks so much. Thanks again to my guest, Mike Fletcher, for joining us this week. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find this on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, and while you're there, make sure to leave a review or any comments. helps other people find the podcast. For more great content, make sure to check out fusionspan.com slash blog. Uh, and if you want to learn more about FusionSpan, obviously our website, FusionSpan.com, or email us, info at FusionSpan.com, and we'd be happy to talk with you. Until next time, take care.